بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين بينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به أمين رب العالمين So we had lesson 4, Alhamdulillah, of the fiqh of Hajj. Uh, last week, what did we discuss? We discussed once again the types of Hajj. And we finished off with that. And then, what else did we talk about last week? Okay, we focused a lot on the menstruation issue. Right? We focused a lot on the menstruation issue. What should the menstruating woman do if she falls into a hayd? When she approaches Mecca, whether it's before the Miqat or after the Miqat, we discussed um, all or basically what could possibly happen and the solution to that, right? And we spoke about the, the issue of taking medication to delay your uh, hayyad. We said this is permissible in the case of Hajj, even if it might bring about slight harm, you know, to the body. But we said you should defer to your, your doctors for this, uh, for this uh, that basically that advice. Okay, طيب. today's lesson is all about the ihram. Today's lesson is about the ihram. Now, we know about the miqat, we've spoken about the miqat as well. So before we pass the miqat, we have to enter into our ihram. Meaning we are going, to into, we are going into a state of ihram. It's not just about the clothing, rather you are entering into a state of ihram. And it's a, it's a virtuous state, right? And in this state, there are certain things which are which would normally be permissible, which now becomes impermissible, right? So we are going to go through those issues today, inshallah, and we're going to speak about them, hopefully in some detail. On certain issues, some of them are clear, some of them there is some details which we, we which we can discuss, um, inshallah. Taib. So, what happens is. We get to the Miqat. Now, the Sunnahs of Ihram, we'll do next week. Right? The Sunnah of Ihram, what to do before Ihram, uh, like the perfuming and the ghusl and all those things, that we will do next week. Today is about, once you're in Ihram, what is forbidden in the state of Ihram? Right? So, the Talbiya, Labayk, Allahumma Labayk, those are the Sunnahs of Ihram. Right? That's coming up. That's a separate lesson. So first and foremost, we said shaving the hair of the head. Shaving your hair or cutting your hair once in a state of ihram is not permissible. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said this in the Quran, وَلَا تَحْلِقُوا رُؤُوسَكُمْ حَتَّى يَبْلُغَ الْهَدِيُّ مَحِلَّهِ Which means, do not shave your heads until your hadi, what's the hadi? Your sacrificial animal has reached its place of sacrifice. Meaning, after the hadith has been sacrificed, now is the time that you are allowed to shave the head. This refers to hajj specifically, right? For umrah, it's different. For umrah, once you've completed the umrah, you can shave your head, correct? And that's where the whole issue comes up, tamattu' and ifrad and qiran. So if you are doing tamattu', once you've done the hajj, the men, they should shave the heads. Because there's still some time before Hajj begins. 
the sister Matu, right? Yeah, yeah, you said so, once you done with your Umrah, then you share. Which is part of the Hajj. Yeah, yeah. Because we're doing Tamatu, which is Umrah, and then Hajj. So you do your Umrah and entering Mecca, finish the Sa'i or Tawaf, Sa'i, and then the men can shave their heads, right? Unless there's not a lot of time between Hajj and your Umrah. So let's say there's just a few days. You can still do Tamatu, no problem. But maybe it's best to then trim the head as opposed to shaving the head because time Hajj comes, you want to shave your head, you have no hair. You understand? So if it's a close time and you can judge, a man should know how long his hair takes to grow generally. If it's a week or so more, shave the head. If not, trim the hair. Right? Trim the hair for your Umrah. So you're out of Ihram now. When Hajj starts, what does the Quran say? You are not allowed to shave your heads until your hadi has been sacrificed. And now you shave your head for Hajj. And then you come out of Ihram. Okay, and again the details on this we will speak about when we go through the description of Umrah and the description of, of Hajj. Okay, and the scholars added to this the prohibition on shaving the head, the prohibition on shaving any hair of the body, or trimming or cutting the nails. So the, added on to shaving the head, what else? Trimming the hair is also not permissible. Plucking your hairs are also not permissible. Trimming your beard, your moustache, nothing of this, even cutting your nails is not permissible. This is the state of ihram. So now you can see, just from this first point, if you're going to be in a state of ihram for a long time, how sometimes it can become awkward. And like you said, last week somebody mentioned, I think you mentioned about how long they must have been in Ihram. During those days, they traveled from Medina all the way in a state of Ihram. Took weeks. Can't cut the nails. Can't clean up your hairs and so forth. That's how it was. Today it's a lot easier, alhamdulillah. When we're in Ihram for a few hours, or Hajj, not that long. Few days. One or two days and then the reality is you come out of Ihram. So... From this, naturally, even though we'll talk about it next week, you want to do this before you enter Ihram. Cut your nails, freshen up, put yourself in the best of states, you know, and then you enter your Ihram. Tayyib, that's point number one. No questions on this? Right, if a question comes up later, obviously don't be shy to ask. Number two is using perfume after entering Ihram. After entering Ihram. Whether it's on one's clothes or body or in one's food or when washing the deceased muhrim or in any way whatsoever. What's a muhrim? It's a good word to also memorize. A muhrim is a person who's in a state of ihram. A muhrim is somebody who is in a state of ihram. Right? So there was a man in the time of the Prophet who passed away on Hajj. And this happens to many people. Every year you find people who pass away on Hajj. Whether it's natural, whether it's a stampede, whether they get sick, whatever it may be, people pass away on Hajj. And in many ways that's a great honor and a virtue to pass away, you know, when you're in that state of worship, in that place, in that holy time, right? So a man passed away and he was also trampled to death. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, wash him with water and lotus leaves 
and shroud him in his two garments. So you don't get shrouded like a normal mayit, you shrouded with your ihram. But do not cover his head. It's another exception for a person who's in ihram. You don't cover his head because we'll see a muhrim, a male in his ihram, doesn't cover his head. So this applies even for the mayit. Right? Do not cover his head and do not perfume him with hanut. Hanut is a mixture of perfumes that they used to use in those days. So even for the, the, the deceased muhrim, perfume is not allowed. What about the one who's alive? You understand? So using perfume is not permissible. Using perfume is not permissible after entering ihram. Okay, perfume is permissible. It's a sunnah, in fact, to perfume yourself before you enter ihram. Okay, the details we'll discuss next week. The hadith speaking about it will bring next week, inshallah. Right? Question though is, does this apply to males and females or to males only? Okay, why? Perfect, right? The general rule in Islam is that perfume is not allowed for females if they are leaving the house. This is the hadith that says this. At any time, if a female knows she's leaving the home, she's not allowed to be, to be wearing perfume. You understand? So if you are on Hajj or Umrah, you are obviously leaving the house. And you're going to be exposed to many males around you. So definitely we say this applies. This hadith would apply at all times. The only time she's allowed to wear uh, perfume is when she's in a home. And she knows there's no non-mahram men around. So if you are at home and there's a non-mahram and you know he's coming. Look, if somebody comes and you didn't know, they came, that's beyond your control. But if you know there's a non-mahram in the house, it's not permissible for a female to perfume herself. And to show the extent of this, Rasulullah said in the hadith, the woman who does this, who purposefully, and she knows the ruling. So if you didn't know the ruling, this doesn't apply. But she knows the ruling, and she does this, she is like an adulteress. Showing that this is not something minor. This is not something small. It's, it's actually a major sin. Because if the Prophet ﷺ made an analogy like that, then it cannot be something small. You understand? She's like an adulteress. That's what the hadith says. So definitely we say this must be avoided. 100%. So the perfuming issue is for the males only. Okay? And again, as I said, we'll speak about the sunnah and when to put the perfume on before the ihram. When is the sunnah and so forth. Um... Number three is intercourse, right? Intercourse on Hajj or Umrah in the state of Ihram invalidates your Ihram. It makes your Hajj or your Umrah batil. Yani it's over now. You need to come back and perform Hajj the next year. You understand? Or Umrah needs to be repeated. It nullifies the Hajj completely. And the Quran speaks about it. The Quran says, فَلَا رَفَثَ وَلَا فُسُوقَ وَلَا جِدَالَ فِي الْحَجْ Quran mentions three things. Rafat is intercourse. No jidal and no fusuq. Fusuq is committing sins and no jidal which is your 
disputes or argumentation. This is not to be done on Hajj or in a state of Ihram. Whether it's Umrah or Hajj, in fact. In a state of Ihram, we spoke about this in the first or second lesson. It's not a time for debates and arguments. And we said be warned because it's going to happen. People are going to get into discussions and arguments and opinions and this. It's not the time for that. Right? Sins, we said, can, can nullify your hajj mabrur. Remember, we, said about, we spoke about that. And intercourse, in fact, nullifies your whole hajj. Intercourse nullifies your whole hajj and your whole umrah. If you are in a state of ihram. Question, what if you're performing tamattu'? You make umrah, come out of ihram. And in, in that, let's say, week or two, between that and hajj, you have intimacy with your wife. This would be allowed. You're not in a state of ihram. And the days of hajj have not, be, have not begun. But if you're in a, what, what if you're doing ifrad hajj? Or qiran hajj? What's the difference there? You don't come out of ihram. You stay in ihram until the time for hajj. So in that case, no intimacy is allowed. Right? Especially not intercourse. Intercourse and intimacy is something different. Right? We're going to get to the intimacy issue, in fact. So, if you nullify your hajj or umrah by intercourse, number one, tawbah. You have to make tawbah, it's a major sin. Right? It's your wife. She's halal for you, but not in the state. It's like fasting, you know, the same. In that day, not permissible. Same with, with, with this uh, occasion. Secondly, you have to make up that umrah. And if it's hajj, you're supposed to come for hajj. Return back for hajj and redo that hajj as soon as you can. Supposed to be the next year, but we know that's not actually possible for us. So it needs to be done as soon as you can. You need to apply for hajj again and go back to make your hajj to redo that hajj. And you have to offer a fidya, a ransom, which is either you have three options. Right? This is in the notes, but if you're taking notes, it's also good. This is in the, this is, what's it, what was I saying? Three options. Number one is either you sacrifice a sheep, both of them, or they have to fast for three days, or they have to feed six people from Mecca. From Mecca. So you have an option which one you can do, which one you decide to do, you have to, but you have to do one of them to make up in addition with your tawbah, and in addition to repeating that hajj or umrah, this is also part of the penalty that you have to do for this action. Right? So after intercourse, we have intimacy, which is whether it's touching your, your wife with desire, fondling your wife, kissing your wife, and so forth, with desire. So let's say you're holding hands and walking. Is there desire in that? There's no desire in that. So this is not included in this. Right? Let's say you gave your wife a hug after Umrah, and you say to her, Umrah Mabula, for example, is this desire? This is not desire. So this is not included in this. You understand? We are speaking about a touch with desire. Intimacy with desire, with sexual desire. Whether it's small or big. If there's desire, you know there's desire. Then this is not permissible. This is not permissible. Although it does not nullify your ihram. The way intercourse does. It's of a lesser level. Understand? Any questions on this? Tayyib. Number five is hunting. 
Hunting is not permissible in the state of ihram. The Quran says, O oh, you who believe, لا تقتل الصيدة وأنتم حرم. Yes? ثري Uh, as for cutting trees and removing trees, this is not permissible in the sanctuary area of, 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 of Mecca. Outside of that, it is permissible. And the reason why I included this in the notes is because if you're on Arafah, it's not included in the, 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 the haram area. So let's say for some reason you have to break off a branch to maybe shade yourself, this would be permissible. It doesn't count as cutting down the trees of Mecca, for example. Okay? But usually in Mecca, those things are not permissible because of the sacredness of, of, of that area. Okay, number six is, which applies to men only. Number six applies to men only. And that is wearing shirts, hooded robes, a hoodie, or anything similar to a hoodie. Like your thobes nowadays have a hood on some thobes, have the hood on it. That's not permissible. <coughs> Trousers or pants or underpants, turbans or shoes or socks, whether it's leather or cotton, right? These are not permissible. Why? Because the hadith says that the Prophet said he should not wear a shirt. Does this count as a shirt? So is this people permissible? So this would count as a shirt. Why? It's it's stitched, like a shirt is stitched. Understand? Secondly, hooded robes you should not wear. So what what's this getting to now? The point on the hooded robe is the head, that the head should not be covered. The head must be open. Trousers is any pants or underpants which is stitched. For your lower body. A turban also applies to the head. So no uh, topi or fez, no scarf on the head to cover from the sun, for example, like the Saudis, like the way they wear their scarf, it's not permissible in ihram. And no leather socks. He mentioned the word khuf, khifaf, which is leather socks. Okay? But The Prophet ﷺ made an exception for one who cannot find an izar. Your izar is your lower waist wrapper, the lower garment that you wrap around your body. He may wear trousers. This is now in the case of necessity. You have nothing. Exactly. So what are you going to do? You have to then wear pants. Even though you are now in the state of ihram. It's permissible because out of necessity. Last week I gave you the principle. What did I say? I said necessity makes that which is usually haram permissible. This is the similar, same example. And one who cannot find uh, sandals or shoes, he may wear leather socks. So in his case, to walk bare feet or barefoot in Mecca, if it's hot and it's scorching and it's 
and it's a lot of walking, your feet will become, feet will be broken, you know? So in his case, he's allowed to wear something over his foot because out of necessity. The Prophet made this exception because I'm sure in his time, there was a lot of poor people, perhaps, and the ihram is not like today. You know, today the ihram is widespread. You get the cheap ihram, you get an expensive ihram. And every shop you go to, there's ihram. And there's people giving out ihrams, right? Back in those days, they took what they had. You understand? It wasn't as commercialized as it is today. So he made the exception. And in reality, what if you are on Hajj, in the middle of Hajj, and something happens to you, ihram? You understand? It might just happen that you need to put on something else. If that happens, we know the exception is there and it's permissible. Right? Okay. Before we move on to the next point, we talk about covering the head. Right? In some detail. Covering the head is of various kinds. Number one is covering it with something which stays on the head. Like a, a fez or a topi or a turban. Okay? Or a hat or a cap. You could take that for the sun, for example. That's made, it's fixed for your head. This is haram. This is not permissible. Right? This is clearly not permissible. What about covering your head with something that's not for your head? Or nor does it stay on your head? Like? Like an, like an umbrella. This is also covering the head. So you're walking, again for the sun, or maybe if it's winter for the rain, but for you and those who are going soon, for the sun. And you have an umbrella which is covering your head. Does this apply to the prohibition or do you feel this is permissible? It's permissible. It's permissible. Why is it permissible? Because it's not made for your head. You are not actually covering your head. You are only shading yourself. You understand? And there's a hadith where a lady, Um Hussein, anha, she said, I performed hajj with the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam during his farewell pilgrimage. And I saw him when he stoned Jamratul Aqaba, which is one of the Jamarat, we'll speak about this, and went away on his mount, accompanied by Bilal and Usama. One of them was leading his mount, and the other was holding his garment over his head, shading him from the sun. Explicit proof. So the one was leading his, his mount, the other was holding something over his head, blocking him from the sun. It's very hot. Right? So, this is clear proof that if you wore or you kept something up, similar to today, we have an umbrella. But if, let's say, you sat with your ihram like this, right? Let's say you took the top of your ihram off and you were sitting like this. You didn't have an umbrella. This would be permissible. But what you shouldn't do is you should not drape it over your head. Like you're wearing a scarf. Don't do that. Because now it's like something that's put on your head, fixed on your head. Just keep it above your head, that's permissible. So preferably when you get there, get yourself a nice umbrella. Go to the stores, the good stores, like the Pindawoods, which is the supermarkets that you find over there, and they have special Hajj equipment. You will, you will see when you get there, things for the Hujjaj. Those are the type of things you go and get some in quality, you know, for the sun. Because the sun will drain you. Right? You have to be equipped. Okay? And on that point, if you can get into good shape before Hajj, this is highly recommended. 
you know, just to, even if you just walk around the park, wherever, just walk two, three kilometers a day, try or build up, so that when you get there, it's not too much to bear. Your body's at least, you know, developed to some extent to endure some type of physical uh, endurance or training because you don't want to get there and the ne- one day, two days, and you're finished. And you sit there and you, you know, you get sick and you get fatigued and you, you want to make the most of your hajj. Part of that is to get ready. Spiritually is one thing, but physically you can also prepare yourself for hajj. Physically you can also prepare yourself for hajj. So, no problem umbrella, no problem, you know, anything that you use that's covering your head, this doesn't apply. Palm leaf. Palm leaf, no problem, right? Some people take this to an extreme, and that's why I'm mentioning it, right? And you're going to see things on Hajj again, people say, tell you, go and do this, and you hey, and this. this. Remember, this is not for your head. What the Hadith is speaking about applies to things which are made or stitched for your head, okay? And you will see this through the next few points. How this is what the Prophet was alluding to when he described this hadith. Some of the Shias, the Shia, they say you can't sit in a bus because it covers your head. They say you can't sit in a tent, a big tent in Mina, because it covers your head. So they have special buses that they've come with, open buses. And they have special, this is the type of extremism, that's now a next level extremism, that they have gone to on this issue of covering the head. Okay? What about carrying your luggage on your head? May not be our custom, but we know people in our countries, it's their custom to carry things on their head. Right? Is this permissible or not? Based on what what we describe, it's permissible. Because it's not fixed for your head. It's not for your head. It's your means of transportation. Or let's say you have a lot of luggage, or you carry all your wife's luggage, and your luggage on your head, that's permissible. That would be permissible. As long as you do not make the niya that I'm doing this, you know, for my head, to, to wear something on my head. Then in that case, it's permissible and Allah knows best. Right? Any other questions on the head, the covering of the head? It's not complicated, right? It's quite simple, alhamdulillah. Regarding the shoes of the muhrim, and this is an important one, the shoes of the muhrim. Again, there are different types of shoes. Right? Number one is that which covers the entire foot and the ankles. Right? Such as the hoof. So we know what's a hoof. The hoof is those leather socks that we wear and it goes over your ankles and it must go over the ankles. A valid hoof that we use for wudu and so forth has to go over the ankle. If the hoof doesn't go over the ankle, you're not allowed to use it to wipe over for wudu, right? Or you may wear those boots that goes over the ankles, like the army boots, or, you know, women have their boots that come up quite high. These are not permissible. Why? Because the Prophet mentioned the word hoof in the hadith. So anything which resembles the hoof in the way that it covers the foot is not permissible. Meaning it covers the entire foot, including the ankles. So this is definitely not permissible. Understand? Unless you have nothing else. But that shouldn't be the case for most of us, inshallah. So that's the first type of shoe. Secondly, we have a, a sandal. Which, you know, covers your whole, or the bottom of your foot, obviously. But leaves the top of the feet 
and the heels and the ankles uncovered. When we say the top, meaning obviously you have your straps, but majority of the foot or a large portion of the foot is open. It's a sandal, it's not a shoe. It's still considered as a sandal and not a shoe. And a sandal never goes over your ankles. It's always below, right? This is permissible. And this is what is highly recommended. That you find, and again my recommendation is, get a good quality one. One that so is mouth, comfortable. You can cover the rear of your foot. You can cover the rear of your foot. Just not cover the ankle. It mustn't cover the ankle. Okay? Um, right, so if there's straps going over, strap at the back of the foot, for example, no problem. No problem. What was my recommendation? Get a nice, good, comfortable, good quality one. Because of the walking, the last thing you want to do is sit with, you know, with, with problems, with blisters, uh, or it's uncomfortable, or it's too, whatever the case may be. Get one, walk it in at home, you know, so that when you the it's, it's, it's perfect now, it's comfortable, it's, it's stretched, it needs to be stretched, it doesn't hurt me, I know this is the, the right one for me, you understand? And again, this applies to who? To men only. So for women, you can buy the best tackies out there that's perfect for walking and for running and for, that. this, this doesn't apply for the women, this only applies to the men, okay? The third type of shoe is, the shoe that does not cover the ankle, but it covers the rest of the foot, which is like our normal shoes that we would wear, like our tackies, for example. Okay? Covers the whole of the foot, but not doesn't cover the ankle. So this is not similar to the the hoof. And this is why some ulama said it's permissible. Because it's not the same as the hoof. And they argued the hoof covers the ankle. This doesn't cover the ankle, so it's permissible. So some ulama, their opinion is it's no problem if you're wearing a shoe which does not cover the ankle. Other scholars said it is a problem. It's covering most of the foot. Because it covers most of the foot and also it's not a sandal. Right? They preferred something that's similar to a sandal. Right? To be on the safe side, try to avoid this. Be safe. Right? Number one, you know what you're doing is definitely agreed upon. It's good, it's fine. Number two, this is the view of majority of scholars. Number three, there's no fitna. Because tomorrow someone's going to come to you and say, hey, what are you wearing? No, don't you know, it's not, didn't you learn about Hajj? Don't you know it's not permissible? And then you can argue your side and say, but I follow this view, he's not going to understand that. You're in it Right, exactly. He's, to him, this is how it is. That's it. Okay? Again, like I said, you're going to see people do things differently. Leave them be. It's not the time for debate and arguments. If that's how they would talk, halas. End of discussion. And this is how we need to, you know, learn to interact with people, especially on Hajj. Okay? So these five things that we mentioned in this Hadith, right, are described by the ulama as wearing sewn garments. All of these things are stitched or sewn. But many people misunderstood what's meant by this statement. Sewn garments or stitched garments. This doesn't mean that anything that has stitching in it is not permissible. That's not what's understood, what's supposed to be understood. What's meant by this is wearing clothes that is tailored to fit the body. That's why I mentioned that does this, this doesn't, not mentioned in the hadith, but this is tailored to fit me like this, the thobe. Understand? 
And the same with what you wear on your head. It must be tailored to, made for, to be made for the head. Are you with me? The same with the underpants is not mentioned. But this is what's meant by the hadith. What is tailored or made for that part of the body. Okay? So if you wear your ihram, is he not stitching in it? He's stitching in it. But it's, it's not, this doesn't fall within the prohibition. Because it's not tailored for your body. It's a towel. It's just being wrapped around in a certain way. So it's not being made or fixed for that body. So that's why it's permissible. So if somebody has a patch on his ihram that he has to stitch closed, no issues, right? Absolutely no issues with this. Point number seven is, which applies to women only, is wearing a niqab. Is wearing a niqab. Because the Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith, لَا تَنْتَقِبُ الْمَرْأَةُ الْحَرَامِ A woman in ihram is not to wear the niqab. She cannot wear the niqab. And also, there's a prohibition on the gloves and the burqa. Right? The burqa. Okay? So she's not allowed to wear this. Why? This is similar to the body of the men. Because that is what? It's made for the face. It's made. So the face of the woman is what is similar to the body of the men. Understand? In this case. Which means... To wear something which is specifically for the face is not allowed. Are you with me? So the, the niqab is not permissible. But this doesn't mean that to cover the face is not permissible. The niqab is not allowed because it's made for the face. But she can still cover her face. Especially when there's males around. And again, this is another issue which the ulama differ over. Some scholars, they say that the niqab is... Mustahab, it's a sunnah, it's good. And other ulama say it's a fart. That the woman must wear niqab. This is valid difference of opinion from the classical ulama. Many of them say she must wear the niqab. So what we find is, Aisha radiallahu anha, she says that we were with the Prophet in a state of ihram. And some riders would come past us. And when they came, we would cover our faces. Because to them, they did not show their face to non-mahram males what she, what she did was is they used to wear uh, something above their heads which they could just throw over their face which, which would fall down from the top of their face it was not a niqab which was fixed for the face so this was permissible to wear you understand um, so to cover the face is still good and according to ulama is still fard but not with a niqab so you see different things that, the, that those who follow this opinion what they do for example, a scarf, they take the one side of the scarf and they throw it over their face. It's permissible, why? It's not made for the face. So it's fine. Or they wear something over their head, which I said just falls over the over the face like this. That's also permissible um, because it's not made for the face. Now, and what about the women that wear the undercut? Yes. That's made for the head. It's for the head, it's not the face. So it's fine, right? Um... There's another issue which I mentioned in the notes about, which is about, uh, which is basically on the issue of touching the face. Is my face rule going to? Which is about touching the face, right? So touching, this uh, this is found often amongst many of the Hanafi ulama, where they say that the face of the woman should not be touched by the by the veil that they are wearing. 
So you'll see again some of the Joburgers when they come, there will be like a cap with a veil that drops from the from the earth so that it doesn't touch the faith. But there's no no proof for this. There's no proof for this. So this is something that, that should not be um, followed. Right? And you can find this in the notes in a bit more detail, inshallah. Okay. Um, lastly, if anything, if, if anybody falls into any of these forbidden matters out of forgetfulness or ignorance, they didn't know, or they were forced to do this, then there's no expiation for them. They are excused, basically, from this. Understand? This is a, another general principle in the Sharia. And this is, they are not, to have to, they don't have to, to have to pay any uh, expiation and so forth. But you, um, at the end, I have just a few fatawa, I'm going to run through it very quickly, right? Where we can benefit from it. I came across. Yes? This Corona uh, virus and the, the masks that people are wearing. Yeah. What if some people say you must wear a mask? So wearing a mask is no problem. Some people wear a mask on in Hajj or Umrah, just out of general, because there are obviously viruses and bacteria going around. So some people wear it, no problem. It's not included in the forbidden issues. And it's kind of a, yes, to spell arm and so forth. So that's not an issue. Um, wearing a money belt, in your ihram, for the women, be no issue. For the men, we saw the certain things, right? Who will watch? What you take? Not allowed? Not allowed? Allowed. I'm waiting on your fatwa. <laughs> Don't know. For the Michael and wife. Okay, which one do you think is allowed, which one's not allowed? Maybe not the watch. Not the watch. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> if you say it's not allowed, the question is why is it not allowed? The watch is it shows your wealth. It shows your wealth. Okay. What if I wear a cheap watch? <laughs> There's no problem with jewelry. Why? The hadith doesn't mention it. So it remains permissible. So to wear a watch, or your rings, or your glasses, or sunglasses, no problem. The hadith did not say it's not permissible, so it remains permissible. A money belt, it's permissible. Uh, what, what's this thing called? Those belts that they wear on the ihram, ihram belt, to store your wealth, because you don't have anything else to store it in. You understand? Store some money in it, your room key, for example, your phone, it's so necessities. Those things are permissible to use. Or even for the male to have a small bag, at least like a sling bag or something that he carries with him, it's permissible. Right? Those things, there's no problem. It's fine. Backpack is fine. It's not part of the, the garment of your ihram, nor is it fixed to your body or, you know, like the clothing or anything like that. You're wearing it, especially at, obviously there's a need for it, right? What about changing your ihram? So you went to Hajj, second day you want to change the ihram, put a new ihram on. That should be allowed. That should be allowed. There's no prohibition on it, so it's permissible. Right? It's permissible. Taking a shower? 
to cool down. I think you asked me this question right a few weeks ago. If you want to take a shower to cool down, absolutely no problem. There's no prohibition on it. Okay. A jet normal shower. I don't see how your hair is just gonna fall out. Huh? <laughs> if it's one or two years that you didn't know about or you didn't force out, there's no problem. You understand? But to take a shower to cool off, to rinse off, no problem. In fact, the Prophet when he entered Mecca, instead of Ihram, he took a ghusl. He took a shower. So it's definitely not uh, a problem. Right? For the males, recommended is to use creams. Where? Between your thighs. To prevent chafing, right? That's a major issue for people. So you can put on while in ihram. While in ihram, no problem. Put your cream in ihram is not a problem. The main thing is it mustn't be perfumed. If it has a light scent on it, it's nothing. If it meaning if you put it on and it's gonna be a perfume on your body, like you get some some creams that that has oud in it, with perfume in it, this we say avoid. If it has a natural scent to it, there's no problem to it. You understand? But to put on in a state of ihram is perfectly permissible. Put on your face creams, whatever, sunblock. It's fine. It's fine. Right? It's recommended because of the sun. Right? It's fine. It doesn't contain perfume in it. If there's a perfume sunblock you have, don't use that one. Use a normal one. Understand? Highly recommended for the men. Put on that whether it's find a proper one a good one again that's going to prevent or it's, it's going to make it as uh, I'm going to say light upon you as possible because it's a major problem right it's the first time you're probably walking like this without underwear for so many for so long and every time you walk your thighs they rub together rub together rub together and you're going to see people who, who can't walk anymore because of this in such pain they're literally like you know like I promise you you're going to see it they can't walk anymore because of the pain that they are um, going through, right? The last point that I have here is using perfumed soaps. So you can take a shower, so it's fine, but don't use a soap that has perfume in it. Which means, if you're going to put it on your body, is your body going to smell like perfume, like something? Avoid that, right? And again, like I said, when you get there, you go to the shops, hatchback. Soap, no perfume, no scent. Shampoo, no scent. So it's better to buy it at the. Oh, why would you recommend buying it? It's just, yeah. you get cheap ones, you get expensive ones. Yeah. You you can. So I'm just gonna ask you which soap is not perfect. Over there, you'll find everything that you need. Everything that you need, you'll find it. Alhamdulillah, right? So I would recommend you might as well just get it over there because it's it's been prepared for the Haji, you know. Are you any other questions? I'm thinking I was the one that took away, yeah. yeah. You get the short one, and you get the one that comes middle, and you get the long one that comes to you. Yes, yes, you know. I just think, yeah. No, I just don't know. Yeah? I just put it over this. I'm just going to make it. Yeah, no, you can touch it. It's fine, I'll wait for
Okay. Um, let me, I'll come back to you on this. exactly what's meant by the type of wuka. But it's more that which is fixed for the face. That's more what's referred to, right? But I'll come back to you on that. Rather, I'll rather confirm. Because um, I'm just thinking now, culturally a burqa might differ from place to place. Some of the burqas include the, the veil, you know. So we'll, I'll come back to you on that one, inshallah. Any other questions? Thank you.